Hey everybody, I am here with the man, the myth, the mustache, Nick Mueller from HD Retrovision. What's up, man? How's it going, Bob? Pretty good. Um, I wanted you on because we haven't talked in a while and I thought it would be fun. But I also wanted to talk about a subject that's been bugging me for a while. Clone companies. Um, mm -hmm. So I have a seat. I'm, I'm sitting for this one. I usually stand. I want to be laid back. You're not in the stash. I'm going to crack myself open a beer that I've never tried before. Because while this is a very sad and serious subject, I want to try to make light of it at least a little bit. have my uh, HD Retrovision bottle opener. Uh, the it's only, only times I use it. this is when I try to do it one-handed and spill the beer all over your office. <laughs> that was <laughs> yep. very embarrassing. Probably still hasn't been cleaned up. Steve was not happy because you had like a meeting the next day and he didn't want uh, <laughs> didn't want it reeking of beer. Let's see. What I think it's doing. in the uh, the same spot now that's covered in metal shards from drilling into test fixture platforms. So. Well, I'm sure it's all covered up by now. There you go. That was a terrible pour. It's a brand new beer I'm trying, by the way. I've never tried this one before. Uh, I'm used Allagash. to um, Allagash uh, Stout. I was used to the oh. Mother's Milk where you just turn it upside down and uh, pour it hard. You know, that's that's the slogan. 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 Wow. A few um, years ago, I was at that brewery. Um, I was on like a New England road trip and went up to, all the way to Acadia National Park and uh, stopped at Allagash on the way back. It's a good brewery. They, um, you can't buy beer to drink there. You just get like uh, two free rounds. So you could do like two just full pours or you could do a flight, but it was pretty cool. Like they don't charge you for it at all. Well, I have three totals sitting next to me, including the one I just poured, and we might have to stop to get more if this, uh, <laughs> this topic bums me out, but... I want to uh, I want to skip to the end. Um, well, first, I guess I'll set the stage and say that, you know, we'll talk about this and then I want to catch up and talk about retro gaming, nerdy stuff, HD retrovision stuff and all of that afterwards. But I want to I want to set the stage by skipping to the end and, and talking about how companies get away with cloning and why more people don't do anything about it. Because I think everything else that we talk about is going to be interesting to anybody who, who's ever been curious about the subject. But I think it's one of those things where everybody's going to be like, but why? But I don't understand. But So I have unfortunately spent hours and hours and hours of my life on phone calls with lawyers about this stuff over the years. Starting in 2005 when the company I worked for owned a patent they basically owned the patent for any time a computer was mounted behind a flat panel TV, which is clearly, you know, purchased from a, a, a patent scalper and it never went anywhere. But we always used it as leverage to be like, well, we're the company with the patent, you know, even though it didn't really actually mean anything. So, I mean, we're talking while I'm not a lawyer and you should not take my advice as legal advice. I'm not just some chump guessing like this is many hours of my life spent. And the one thing that 15 years ago and now is the same is that when you have a clone company that has cloned products and they're not in the US, I, I can't really speak for other countries and I sure as hell can't speak for China, but uh, companies that are not based in the US that are selling in the US or at least not manufacturing in the US, um, you could absolutely start a lawsuit for cloning. And as part of that lawsuit, as long as you have a decent amount of proof, you could have 
any remaining shipments coming in held in by the Customs and Border Patrol and not be allowed in. That process costs about $50,000 to start it. If you continued mm-hmm. the lawsuit and go through, it's an infinite amount of money depending on who you're suing. And that's one of the cases where the person with the most money wins almost always, just like most U.S. lawsuits. But here's the the real kicker in this, right? Let's say you have clone company X that, you know, blatantly reverse engineered something and now is throwing it in people's faces and they're selling it and you do that. You drop the 50 grand, you have it held at customs, you, you know, you, you have them kicked off Amazon. As long as they have a second company and they're not manufacturing in the U.S., none of that matters. So all they do is write off whatever's held in customs and whatever Amazon had. Um, you know, if they're smart, they're not going to make $100,000 purchases at a time. You know, they'll try to make smaller for exact this exact reason. And they take all of their overseas stock, pay to slap another label on it, start another LLC and ship those through. And then just company X disappears and company Y appears selling the same exact thing. And you've lost your 50 grand. You have to start again. And there's nothing you could really do about that from a legal point of view. The only thing you could do is if it's stuff like a small community like Retro Gaming is let everybody know about it in a way where you're not going to get sued for slander, which is why I'm not going to be saying the names of any companies or not slandering anybody other than Voltar. And uh, that's, you know, we've got to be careful with this. But even then, it's just a matter of who has the, mo- the most money wins that lawsuit. And I have none. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not going down that road. But I, I definitely wanted to to make sure that I skipped to the end and painted that very grim and realistic picture. And that's also why companies that are U.S.-based very often get paid under a different company name than they advertise under. Uh, there's another notorious clone company that did that, and um, they're affiliated with another uh, the not even gaming related clone company, which is how they were able to learn all of these tricks. Uh, so even though they're based in the U.S. and you could sue them as if they're a U.S. entity, they're two companies. So the company where all of the legal ramifications would go through could just disappear and there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah, I mean, this is, <clears throat> well, first of all, it, this is true for kind of all things, trademark, enforcement, patent, copyright, any of those things, uh, you're not going, if you don't have the stomach to spend the money to enforce it, then you really don't have um, ownership over that uh, copyright or whatever it happens to be anyway. Um, and then you're just playing a game of whack-a-mole, uh, like, like you said, I think... And as you alluded to, the better strategy is word of mouth. And I think that's happened, I mean, like you said, in the retro gaming community to a decent amount, uh, at least of those people who watch your show or uh, on Twitter, you kind of have to self-police this behavior. It seems to me like the people, for the most part, who hear the story told fall down on the the same side we do where it's like sure you might be able to get that cool gaming product for let's say 
75% of the price, but do you want new gaming products produced in the future? Is is what you have to ask yourself because those clone companies aren't making anything. They they rely on on the having something to clone. And if you start watching people like just to pick one like uh, Dan, who made the cool DC digital is it called now? Um, if you want him to keep making products like that. And you support the clone company that that makes uh, you know the ripoff version. He's gonna he's gonna walk away. So yeah. So you touched upon a point that's a little bit even more depressing, I think. Um, in that, anytime you talk about this stuff, uh, good people are gonna listen, and bad people are gonna listen, and they're going to learn from it, and they're going to get better at doing <laughs> terrible things. So. Leveraging social media is something these companies, especially the one that I'm thinking of, have already started to do. And, you know, credit where credit's due, right? Uh, You know your worth when your enemies praise your architecture of aggression. Love that line, love that song, love the solo, but it it hits hard sometimes. In that one clone company has chosen to... Only not all their products were cloned. That's, you know, it's another... It's another thing that we'll get to is, you know, you hide behind a bunch of products that aren't clones so you could sneak your clones in there. But one company has tried to, to skirt through by sponsoring a lot of stuff in the gaming world, which, um, and you know, I haven't even seen them. I haven't seen their name in years, so maybe they've already gone away. But the situation I'm certainly thinking of is a rough one because how do you, how do a bunch of people stand up with their pitchforks and their torches and, and try to, you know, stand up to this company when... There's a whole bunch of cool events being sponsored, and they're they're promoting a lot of good people just with the money made off of a clone product. So that's a rough one, and that's one that I just don't I don't even really know if there's an, a right answer to it. But they immediately get a bunch of allies because they're making a bunch of li- people's lives better, and sc- while they're screwing over somebody else's. So that's a, a pretty smart tactic that these cloners could do. And it also prevents people like me from standing up and and yelling because then it's very easy for them to just send a legion of morons after me. Look, you know, you liked that event? Then, you know, this guy is trying to shut the event down. The other side is a little more, a little more crazy. And I'm shocked that nerds fall for it because if you're a retro gamer, generally speaking, you're probably a nerd like me and like you and like most of the people listening to this who should have already been picking up on stuff like this. But the the one the, the one tactic that really drove me crazy was the, the one notorious company started to realize, like, we're caught out. There's, you know, emails, screenshots, like, we're definitely caught out. So they sent a bunch of products to drama channels, knowing that drama channels don't care about what's right or what's wrong. They want to be notorious. They want to be the, well, you know, they want to be the shock value. And... Sent them a whole bunch of what I would put forward though Mm -hmm. is those the YouTube channels or even in your the the case you mentioned with the um like a convention uh that they might sponsor and get their name on the masthead. Those people involved don't necessarily know that anything was done wrong to begin with. That's a good point. I'm um, glad you brought that up. Yeah, they 
I fall into this trap all the time where I kind of get myopic and think retro gaming Twitter is all of retro gaming. But then you realize when, you know, you go to a, a retro gaming convention and nobody's going to know who I am there. Like on Twitter, I know pretty much all the players in the retro gaming space. But once I'm at a convention, it's very humbling. Nobody knows me. Like we are small potatoes in that the entire you know population of people who are into this hobby you're probably way better known than i am but i would still argue that the audience of people that don't know you is bigger than the people who do 100 percent, yes so <clears throat> those people aren't paying attention they, they they just don't know that company xyz is taking uh, someone's design and making their own version of it. They just see the name on the masthead or... Yeah, see, this is why I'm so glad I'm doing this with you and not just doing a video by myself because I would have never realized that that was coming out wrong until you brought that up. But So thank you. But yeah, scenario number one, you're 100% right. People don't know and why would they know that anything wrong is happening? It just looks like a positive situation. Scenario number two is annoying as hell though. You know, you have you have a person or people that want to be notorious that comes out and says, this company is not a clone company. They got a bad rap because uh, somebody wanted more money for a sponsorship. So now they lied and said they're a clone company. And no, like, the fact that people believe that stuff is gross to me. But the fact that people believe the earth is flat and, that you know, reptilian aliens are controlling our politicians. It's one of the, you know, you can't like a person smart. People are stupid. Tommy Lee Jones said it best in Men in Black. But like it does. That does frustrate me because that absolutely gives these clone companies a platform to say, we're not a clone company. This is all a bunch of lies. And look, here's four or five videos from different people proving that we are a good company with good things. And that that's up to us. That is absolutely up to us to, to recognize who are the people talking about these things. Because it's like, you know, if I were to make a video about like, why the N64 is the greatest console of all time, half the retro gaming world would stand up and be like, shut up, Bob. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't your favorite console. You shouldn't be talking about this. Like, it's pretty obvious once you get to know, even even through their videos and their social media and their writing or whatever else, you know, you should know who who's a level of expertise is what. And it is very frustrating to see some of the clone companies leverage that and just leverage typical social media tricks. You know, the, just the very basic trying to make people look stupid. Um, you know, a, a good liar will always be believed over just somebody telling the truth. Always, historically, since freaking cavemen days. Yeah, and, you know, the, the big problem is our megaphones only reach so far. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just rehashing the same thing, but you have a YouTube audience. It's big, but unless you move to other places than YouTube, um, do other things. There are just segments of audience that you're not going to ever hit. Just, they don't go to YouTube to watch retro gaming updates, right? They, their retro gaming experience is entirely watching people play on Twitch and, and, you know, speed run games. That's their retro gaming experience. And if you're not doing that, you're not reaching them. And when yeah. they go to a, a convention and see a cool little dongle that makes console Z output HDMI in 4K, they they're just going to read that and say that is really cool. I'm I'm buying it. 
And on the flip side um, of that, too, if if I or anybody else goes around and goes into people's Twitch streams and be like, you're using a clone product, like, we're the assholes at that point. Because oh, yeah, of course. They I don't mean, know. I'm not saying you should. Most of the 99% of the people, if not more than that, who buy this stuff have no idea it's a clone product or uh, or think they're buying the original. Like, they don't even know that there's choices. They just saw this one on whatever store that they go to, and it wasn't an obvious one, you know, and, like... Yeah, that's so it's it's really hard to get the word out there and it's even harder to get the word out there when people clone for a living and they know all the tricks. They know how to light people up on social media. Um, they know how to clone only a piece of a product. Um, you know, the important part, the part that takes all the money and the time for R&D and change other stuff and be like, this isn't a clone product. Look how much different it looks. Like, you know, so it's it's frustrating. And, you know... I'm trying to get all the really negative stuff out first so we can just get that, you know, get that over with and then start climbing up a more positive hill. But am I missing anything else uh, from like the really bad stuff? You know, why we could almost never combat this, why they continue to get to get products out there using their, you know, their lies and their bullshit and leveraging other people. And, uh, you know, am I missing anything that you could think of for the really bad stuff before we start climbing up to less depressing territory? <laughs> Um, I think one other thing is that they do have um, a bit of a pricing advantage, right? When you're talking about um, boutique products like the ones we make, for example, like they are priced what what an average person would look at and be like, sixty dollars for a cable. <laughs> I'm not paying sixty dollars for a cable. Uh, and it's totally understandable. And so we're a clone company to come in who's got, you know, a much bigger lineup of products than us, a bigger employs more people. Um, and we'd have no problem making an unshielded garbage cable that looks like. Yeah, yours. make a, a, yeah, a lower quality version, but close enough version of ours. That they can go to any number of like, you know, the retro gaming resale stores and get their product on the shelves. Um, because they can offer it at a much lower price point. The gaming stores know they can move them much faster. There's a lot more people going in to buy a $20 cable for your N64 than there are $60 cables. Yeah. Um, and so they think about that. They don't want to have like a stack of HD retrovision cables just sitting there not moving. Um, and so we don't end up in most retail stores for um yeah and on top of that too if you've cloned a product your investment is whatever it took to clone it so if you just spent you know thousands of dollars on a, an hdmi analyzer an oscilloscope uh you know 20 different prototype revisions and you're out just thousands and you need to factor that in and most people in smaller companies most people generally don't factor enough of that in. They want to keep the price down, so they shortchange themselves. You have a company that comes in that that's already an expert in cloning, that already knows all the tricks we just talked about, come in, clone it, and make it hypothetically exactly the same quality as the original, and maybe change the color of the case because people want pink ones, so let's make a pink one. I'm, I'm making that up, but like, mm -hmm. you could absolutely sell a product infinitely cheaper because you don't have that cost, because you could pump them out in runs of ten thousand, not one thousand, and and that that gets that's just sucks. It just you know, there's no other way to. to put and, it. 
along those same lines, when you have, um, let's say, a person gets a a bad, you know, something went wrong when producing the product, the chips didn't get soldered right, whatever. Um, a company like HD Retrovision, when we were first starting out, we were addressing all of those issues like with customers directly, right? They'd submit a support ticket. A lot of times the cable would get mailed back to Stee. He's like digging, trying to, you know, figure out what went wrong. Um, a lot of time and money goes into that because <clears throat> if we start having problems with our cables um, and it can't be fixed or we can't figure out what's causing it, we start taking large financial losses. Um, like one cable goes garbage, oh, there goes the profit from the next two cables you sell type of thing. Whereas a lot of these clone companies, they don't, uh, most of them probably don't even know how to fix or triage any of these issues, but they're making the product at such a low price and such a high margin that they're just gonna send you a new new one, right? Or just send so you your money back and with, say, you know what, keep it for free, yeah. we don't care. Yeah. So they're not going to spend the time and money on that type of stuff. So it's just kind of another disadvantage. Um, but at the same token, would you rather buy your product from a company that knew how the thing they made worked? Uh, I think Yeah, works in the non-cloner advantage. But, you know. Yeah. Um, depending on the product. Because I do think that there is a place for lower end stuff. Like these headphones I'm using are absolute garbage yeah. they were like eight bucks they're terrible but they're the right color i could kind of you know they're in ear and i bought like and when they go yeah. when they go bad you're not gonna <laughs> send an email to customer support and try to get a new pair you're just gonna right. go buy a new one. and maybe they're clones or maybe they're just low quality ones but then i got you know the the headphones i've been using for a while to, to mix audio when i was recording to, to double check all these podcasts and i want i would not ever buy a knockoff or a low-end version of that because i need the good ones and i want the good ones for this i don't really care so i guess yeah. that's a perfect segue into something else i wanted to talk about and starting the up climb to be less depressing here is what's not cloning and i would just like to say that we should take we should put open source aside uh and talk about that afterwards so uh because mm -hmm. that's I, that's definitely a conversation by itself but what would you, what would, what's a couple of examples or a description of what's not cloning, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, the, obviously the open source one is kind of the, the most obvious one. Um, I, I mean, there are things, you know, my, my brain immediately goes to, to cables um, for obvious reasons. But there are things that are not like innovations that are not necessarily cloning, right? So Retrobit makes a composite video cable for Super Nintendo, say. Um, Retrobit's not cloning composite cables because, um, I don't know, pick another company that makes cables. Because um, Nintendo's already has one, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's like, I mean, there's no innovation there. So, I mean, when companies do that, I'm not considering that cloning. Um, so, so to stick with cables then to make that easier. So if I were to go out and say, hey, I took an off-the-shelf basic RGB to component video circuit that I lifted off of a website legally, 
I'm going to get some mm-hmm. low quality cable. I'm going to do the cheapest overmold possible and I'm going to sell them as, you know, Bob's component cable solution. And I'm going to advertise them as a cheap, less performing alternative to the HD retrovision cables. And I say, uh-huh. hey, these things are $4.99 each and they're better than composite, probably. And they'll work with the open source scan converter, so you don't going to get, uh, you know, a, a converter for that. You can go right in. But if you want quality, you pay, pay for the other ones. And if you just want something to work, you buy these. That's not cloning at all. That's not even a dick move. That's a perfectly, perfectly fine way to go about doing something. But, sure. But cloning yeah. would be um, taking yours apart, reverse engineering the exact circuit that's on there, then doing an overmold that looks almost identical and getting cables that look almost identical and selling them as Bob D retrovision cables or something. Yeah, I, that, that there is a big distinction there for sure. Um, there's some nuances there. Um, f- for example, <clears throat> I kind of wish that we had gone down the route of, a design patent on the cables. So the difference there from a regular patent is you're, you're just really patenting kind of the form and, and function of something. So in hindsight, I wish we had kind of had a patent on the design of like kind of, you know, the short length of cable into a conversion box that's over molded and then breaks out, um, signal like that design obviously got replicated or in some ways cloned by everybody else i'm pretty sure we were the first people to do that and then you know hyperkin made their cables with for like hdmi versions but it's all that same you know function um of like that does absolutely into box lawsuit thing though where you would have to yeah you would yeah we would have had to defend it in there they just you know, by the way, I'm not accusing Hypercane of stealing. I said I would not say names. No, no, no. Like, I don't think they no, did. I, you didn't say they did. Just want to be clear about no. that. But, yeah, but like, no, no I'm, I'm giving an example of like, had we had a right a trademark or a, a design patent on the on that. But if that it, were the case, all Hypercane protected would us do, if we wanted to defend it. Yeah, but if that were the case, all Hypercane would do is dump off all the stock of the cables put the converter circuit at the end of the cable. So it's the opposite of yours, a long cable with the circuit yeah. at the end, which is not as good, but yeah. so, uh, so yeah, sorry to pick on you, Hyperkin. I throw shade your way, but not this time, but like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all they'd have to do if you even called them out or they could look at you and say, our legal budget is bigger than your entire yearly revenue. Sure. Take us to court, see what you're going to do. So, and that's something that I spent a lot of time talking about in, you know, both, for retro RGB related things and in the other company is that like, technically speaking, the company I worked for could have sued Apple for their iPad or could have sued, mm-hmm. um, you know, for any all in one computer, but they weren't that dumb. They they bought the patent just to be able to be like, we're mm-hmm. the inventors of this. So we could, you know, they used it for marketing and that's, you know, totally fine. They weren't, they, they never pinned somebody into a corner with it, but, but it was very clear just that a- you're not going to win any of those lawsuits. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, just to put a a bow on my point there to be very clear of what I was saying, and I just picked Hyperkin because they're another company that manufactures cables. Mm-hmm. Um, 
had somebody come, like let's say we had uh, gotten that patent and somebody did what you said, um, your first example, which was your Bob, you downloaded a circuit off the internet, you slapped an overmold on it and threw some cables, we could have easily argued like this is confusing the consumers. We have this design patent that says, no, you cannot just go and make a component cable in this form function because that's our thing. That's like how people know us. Um, that in that case, that would have, you know, been a more nuanced, uh, version of this, but, um, the general principle of, of that example is no, I wouldn't consider that cloning. Um, <clears throat> and you could go do that right now if you want. Yeah. So millions of bucks that, that leads us to something that I've always, I've never fully understood. And I, I don't know if there is a way to fully understand this, but clean room reverse engineering. And I guess mm-hmm. the best example that we could give for this podcast would be how Electronic Arts reverse engineered the Sega Genesis security. So they were able to make their own cartridges for it and they made different mm-hmm. shape cartridges. So uh, they they couldn't get sued because it just it's a different thing and you don't need to license it from Sega to do that. I think that's the one that everybody listening to this might remember. Or if you don't, it's a great story. So definitely look up one of the documentaries that talks about it. But I don't fully understand the difference because it would I I get that they changed the cartridge shape to not confuse the customer. This is not an officially licensed by Sega product, but by reverse engineering something in a way where you're not stealing any of their their original code, aren't you still somehow hacking and cracking that code? You know, where do you know anything about that? Do you have any insight into that? I'm definitely not an expert on that in particular. Um, you know, there are things that are more protected in intellectual property than others. So, you know, you can't just say like nobody can build this uh, circuit consisting of a uh, two capacitors, a, a resistor, and a diode here, like. Because that's there are limits to parts that that have no that have no limitations. Right, but say you imagine you constructed a a brand new mesh of putting those parts together, you still aren't going to be able to protect that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Atari twenty six hundred fell under that because there was really no proprietary chips on there. You could go into uh, you know electronics warehouses back in the day and buy every one of those and just redesign your motherboard around it. And plug yeah. all those parts in, and that's why there was a bunch of 2600 clones that you could do nothing about. That's why you could play a 2600 cartridge through a ColecoVision through that adapter. Yeah, I mean, just like, uh, to take like that example to like a really stupid extreme, like, imagine you just like built this like parallel array of 200 uh, resistors of different values. No, you could say nobody's ever put these 200 resistors in parallel before this is my thing. And now nobody else can do this ever again. Um, doesn't work like that. Um, so to go back to your clean room argument, I mean, if you can kind of deduce circuit components and how they may be arranged just by probing, 
I, I don't know if there's a, a legal issue that, that can come from that. Um, it doesn't seem to be. In retro gaming, that certainly happened with some handheld screens uh, where companies came about with the exact same thing, with the exact same features, but they never used uh, secure encrypted code. They, they were probing all yeah. the inputs and outputs, and they kind of figured out what happened. The GC Video Project is a perfect example of this. They, nobody stole Nintendo's code. Well, nobody. It was Ingo Korb that did it. One person. That, that should get some credit right there. But, like, Ingo didn't steal Nintendo's code. This was long before the, the source code leaks. Um, he sat there by his own admission and just probed all of the signals on the inputs and outputs and figured out what was happening. You know, when, when I saw this on that side, then, you know, this thing happened on the other side and was able to make a chip that, to recreate those. So that's not cloning. That's reverse engineering based on the signals around it. And that's still kind of a gray area to me, because, like, if you do that to a Nintendo cable that's no longer being manufactured, that they don't, you know, they're not making any money off of anyway, I would never describe that as cloning. I would, I would describe that as, like, a new product. But, like, if HD Retrovision came out with the first and only ever GameCube HDMI cable and somebody did the same exact thing... And technically, that's not cloning, but that's a huge douchebag move. Right. I mean, of course. So <clears throat> I think whether something is cloning or not is a great definition and doesn't really matter. I think the heart of what you're asking is, is it legal and is it moral? And I think there's a lot of cases where it's plenty legal and <laughs> morally dubious at best. And you, you can span the whole spectrum there, right? You you can take, you know, boutique company, um, you know, X, who just like three guys who make cool products for for retro games, and their circuits are kind of easy to look at, and and then put a um, a multimeter to deduce part values and then go make your own. You can do that. Um, is it morally acceptable? In my opinion, no. But if take the other end where it's Nintendo doesn't make these GameCube cables anymore um, and there's a demand for them and somebody goes and does that, I, I have less of a an issue with with that. I mean, on the moral grounds, yeah, you know, you both may be perfectly legal, but I feel differently about them. You bring up a great point, and I was joking about shitting on Voltar, but now this is this is actually a perfect example in that um, one of Voltar's products got cloned in that exact manner, in that the shape was a little bit different, so that you can't say, oh, you have a unique shape. I don't think it was anyway, but. It was the exact same layout, but there's no, that's not technically, legally, that's not cloning because it's just an array of parts in a certain order. That notorious cloner who's just got the worst reputation for doing this also cloned the exact revision number, which was funny, but, you know, and then sold them, sold them at a less than Voltars because he didn't have to spend, you know, hundreds of hours perfecting the signal. He just had to spend a couple hours reverse engineering what Voltar did. And that's really shitty. 
However, we ran into somebody at, a, at an expo a couple of years ago that was like, I wanted to get into board design. I really didn't know what to do. So I, I bought a couple of Voltars boards. I reverse engineered them. I, I plugged them into my consoles. And, uh, and then I, I, by doing that, I learned how to create circuits. So then I looked around and saw that I had two consoles that nobody had ever made a, a, an RGB bypass for. So I measured the values. I, I got everything right. And I used what I learned from the cloning to make a board that I am selling. And I remember, I don't want to speak for him, but I remember telling Voltar that story and he loved that story because person number two didn't sell any of the clone boards. And in fact, purchased Voltar's boards from him. So like Voltar got the sale, the person learned how to do board layouts and learn how to, how to get better at this stuff and then ended up making products that no one else had made before. So all of it was legal, but it was also morally freaking awesome. Like everybody kind of won in that one so bringing up the moral aspect is certainly interesting and in that you just have to kind of decide what kind of person you are depending on how you want to look at things like that yeah and uh i think it's obvious that those things don't have to align with with the law um mm. as is typically the case there are things that are illegal and i consider perfectly fine to do and there are things that are completely legal and i'm like i would not feel good about doing that so yeah that's something retro gamers all deal with i don't think i have never and will never in my life feel guilty about purchasing something and then making a copy of it for me now if i purchased mm -hmm. something made a copy of it and sold it i'm a giant piece of shit but only making a copy for me so, like, I have a Blu-ray that I love, so I'm going to rip it to my server so that I could decide to watch it on any TV in my house without getting my fat ass up off the couch to find the disc or moving the disc player because I only have one because no one uses discs anymore. Like, I have zero moral issues with that, even though technically it's breaking copyright encryption and it's technically illegal. I would be willing to bet that I could, you know, call up the, the head of the RIA or something and tell them I'm doing that and they'll be like, stop wasting my time. Like, they don't even really care, even though technically it's illegal um so yeah that's that's always an interesting thing that retro gamers have to deal with and i'm glad in many ways that we're dirty pirates for stuff like that because there's just a lot of stuff that would have never been saved if we weren't just mm -hmm. don't don't profit off of other people's stuff pretty obvious one yeah roms is one of those cases where you have a, a diverse range of opinions on uh, the moral aspect of it, and sometimes it gets disguised by this debate over whether it's legal or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so that's yeah, an I interesting. Mean, there, there are people who are perfectly fine popping in a, a, a ROM cart that has every single game ever made for a console that they downloaded and didn't pay for, and they'll make the argument that nobody's getting hurt they don't make this anymore, blah, blah, blah. Then on the other yeah. side, you have the people who will be saying, yeah, but you're infringing on Nintendo's IP and you don't know what in the future Nintendo wants to do with how they want to make money off of Super Mario because <laughs> um, they really want to sell it to you on the, the 20th console <laughs> uh, digital uh, platform. And those people 
they're not any more right or wrong than the others. It's just a, how you feel morally about it. And legally, I think it's pretty clear that you're breaking the law. But Yeah. I think this is a good segue over to open source, though. Because here's another scenario in which there are pretty clear rules, but this is another one where the clone companies get to manipulate how they present this to people. And one of the one of the most disgusting things I see on a regular basis is they're not a clone company. That's an open source project. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so uh, first I got to say I, I'm not smart enough to go down that road, which is why I already did a podcast with Renee Tian Fong and Ratboy about this a while back. So if anybody's interested in the details of open source, I, I really enjoyed that podcast. And everybody I know that's an open source enthusiast said we did a decent job which is a really big compliment because those are also some pretty harsh critics. So uh, just skipping to the end of that podcast to say that there are rules that are very clearly set in most cases. And then there are rules that sometimes say there are no rules. Just don't bug me, which Mm -hmm. if that's the easy one, if somebody uses one of those licenses, anybody could do anything. And it's not cloning period. End of discussion. That's it. However, there's other licenses that you need to follow. And if you don't, it's legally just as bad as cloning. Now, once again, you'd have to fight it in court. You're not going to win. It's just the way life is. But one of the more interesting ones that I've stumbled across are people who've open sourced their projects under a license that says, uh, you know, basically, I'm doing this to make sure this product lives past me. Do not bug me for support. Um, don't, you know, just take it and use it as is. You could sell it if you want. If you make any changes to the project, you have to republish those and that's it. And I've seen companies pick up and manufacture those, manufacture them with logos that are almost the same with manuals that are not part of the open source license with the same, the same wording in it, the same links, the same everything else. I mean, it's, and then sending people to the original company for support when there are problems with those. And hmm. yes, the root product. Well, whatever product could you be talking about, Bob? <laughs> Believe it or not, Nick, there's at least four that are bouncing through my head right now. Honestly. But no, there's one key one that's bouncing in mind, but wow. um, yeah, I, I but um... that's cloning period. That is yes. The, the, the design of the product that you have had manufactured is an open source product, but the way you're going about doing it is against the rules. Maybe cloning technically isn't isn't then the right answer, but that is illegal, and you know you're not going to win. But it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I consider myself a bit of a, an open source skeptic, um, and to clarify what I mean by that is, I think it it really should just be pretty black or white. If you're going to open source something, just like fully free domain it or not, because all of that stuff in the middle where there's these little quirks to the license, like, Oh, you have to contribute your changes back to open source. Or, uh, if you're going to sell this, you have to acknowledge the original project. All that stuff is almost nearly unenforceable. (laughs) Like, you're just not going to spend the time on chasing people down. Like, um, So you, you make a solid point, but there's two ways to look at that. From an enforcement point of view, 
yeah, don't don't ever add a license because you think that you could enforce that license. In a perfect yeah. world, you could, but that's just not it. Unless you have a billion dollars in the bank, so you can just start suing a bunch of people. You, you know, that's it. But if you want to to create a license so that you could collaborate in a very specific way with other people who want to follow the rules, then yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because while this is just, this is an uncharacteristically negative podcast for me. Um, the truth is that there's just shitloads of really awesome people out there that are like, oh, I want to work with this project. How can I? Oh, it's this license? All right, cool. I'll send you everything I got. Oh, it's that license? I'll do my thing and I'll reopen it when I'm done later. Like, if you want to play by, if you just want to interact with people in a specific way, yeah, those licenses are amazing. But there's almost zero protection in in real life, you know? Like, it's... Yeah, it's I mean, illegal it, it to punch somebody is. in the face, but how am I ever going to stop you from walking up and punching me in the face? You know what I mean? There's real life repercussions. <laughs> yeah, it, it, at that point, what you're describing is really not a license. It's just kind of a a friendly agreement, right? You're you're putting into your product a, a little text file that says, "Hey, it'd be really cool if any time you uh, worked on this, you contributed it back to the." To the uh, repository. Um, yeah, but th- there's the, a lot the of fact really that good it's people able... that look for that, though. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, like, it's another step to call that a license. Oh, yeah, you fair. know, because then you're then you're getting to the point where are you legally chasing down people who are not following the license? Like, the good actors are going to be good actors. Um, so if you request them to, you know, keep contributing. They'll do it, whether it's a license or not. Yeah, but I do, you know, since this is such a bummer of a podcast, I do want to tell a story that I know a couple of different stores that sell open source projects, but they want to be known as the stores that do it right. They don't have to. Mm -hmm. No one's going to shut them down, but they want to be known. So they make a big deal about doing everything by the book contacting the developers that all of them have had developers be like i i told you i don't care do what you want and they still did it anyway because it was just you know they wanted to be the people that did the right thing and very often that ended up in cool collaborations extensions of the product people that have never been involved Mm -hmm. working together because now there's set terms on how we work together on this so yeah, not zero zero use for enforcement, but I do really I do appreciate when people take the time to to set goals and to set the terms for for collaboration terms. I guess is the is the real life mm-hmm. description of what those things are because it sucks, but there's no way you, unless it's a huge company open source or something, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to you know nothing's happening from that. Yeah, I mean there's definitely. Um really good use cases for open source. And I didn't mean to imply that I'm opposed to open source when I said skeptic. I, I it's mostly uh, with respect to the enforceability of these uh, yeah. GPL and all the other, all the different kinds of licenses, uh, MIT and all that stuff. No, you made it pretty um, clear at the end. You walked into push, that, push, you sure. walked into that, yeah. not knowing where you were going with that, but you made it clear at the end. I agree with you. Um, the one thing I will add, and maybe, you know, so many people, when they lose an argument with me, throw the word elitist around because they think that that'll make me look bad. Like, you know, kind of like, I'm not a poopy head. You're a poopy head. They're like, what are those? Uh, this might actually be an elitist thing to say, and I'm totally okay with it. But 
generally speaking, if you have if you're buying parts from somebody that are, is ignoring all of these open source rules and they're just manufacturing stuff, knowing that no one's going to sue them because they don't have the budget, so they're cloning the manual. You know, they're 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 just taking the the design and manufacturing them. They have generally no understanding of what goes into it. They're not talking to the developers. They're not talking mm-hmm. to their peers because nobody wants to talk to a dirty cloner other than other dirty cloners that are not involved in that. So it is very common to see, a, you know, I'll use the word cloned, even though technically it might not be, but it's common to see a cloned product that are using good components, you know, good resistors, good capacitors that are made from a good shop but without anybody that knows what they're doing overseeing the process. So the QA isn't there, um, you know, all of the double-checking, the layout isn't there, and they'll miss things. And, of course, there's always the garbage clones, too, that take, you know, 1% resistors and put, swap them with 10% resistors. But even on the side that, that they do a decent job, because they're not working with the people that are around the project, they end up accidentally making a low-quality version. So I just had somebody contact me the other day about something that they bought. And I've had other people buy the exact same clone product, not knowing it's a clone product. And it worked totally fine. And this one didn't. So what's the likelihood? Is it the likelihood that they really got one of the 1% of the lemons? Or is the likelihood that no one really knows how to manufacture that product correctly from that clone company? And it's not 1%. It's 10% are failing because they're just like, ah. We followed the open source license, fire out 10,000 of them and sell them for a buck a piece. So do you disagree? Am I wrong? Am I yeah, too I mean, pompous in that opinion? I'm always open to change my opinion if I, you know, if something's presented. Uh, no, you're not wrong. I think that's um, generally the case. And with a lot of open source stuff as you mentioned it's all collaborative like that that's one of the benefits to doing something open source right you, you draw on this community i think about the the mister project for example and i don't i don't know what license that operates under but <clears throat> there's not one person that knows how all the cores and mister are uh work um, you know, there's like 1,400 different developers for so this project. So that's an excellent, this excellent point. example because if you narrow that project down to just the I/O board for the sake of this conversation, anybody that's part of the core group of people that enjoys working together can make a really high quality I/O board. I could make three of them in my house, really mm-hmm. high quality. Somebody could make 3,000 of them in a manufacturer. Excuse me, but there are absolutely garbage IO boards, garbage RAM boards, garbage anything made for them from people saying, Mr.'s getting popular. It's an open source project. Files are up. Let me just make them. I think I didn't even realize that until you said it, but that mm-hmm. is the perfect you know example of what I was just talking about in that, yeah, there's a million people involved, but if you step up and you're like, hey, I, I want to make something awesome. Uh, you know, I want to do it right. What's everybody working on? This is the latest rev, but is there something else coming? What, you know, what are you all seeing in manufacturing? People will help because it is open source. Nobody owns the project, uh, you know, from that perspective on it. So, yeah, uh, thank you. That's the perfect example. (laughs) But just to rain on your 
parade for a second. One of the problems with Woody owning the project is there's nobody to care enough to sue if one of the clone companies you refer to, imagine they packaged up their own all-in-one console, um, the Cubitron 9000. It was just a little box that didn't use the DE10 uh, Nano, but lifted all of the code that all these guys were contributing to this Mr. Project. They just take all that code and dump it into their Cubitron and start selling it as uh, you know the all-in-one solution. Is there anyone in the community that would spend the resources to, to so fight we'll that? So we'll probably find out in about a year. Um, I'm going to be very careful with what I say, and if I decide to be a bitch about it, maybe I'll just delete this out. But there is somebody <laughs> who's trying to clone Mr., trying to get it mass-produced, trying to claim they're following the rules, but every logical person seeing this knows there's something else going on. And I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I am... You know, I will publicly beg for forgiveness for this team or person or whatever um, when this is released. I hope it's somebody that says, hey, here's my fork of the project. Here's all of the things that we did contributed back. We're up to the license. You know, we're, anything we add, we'll give back. But I think I think one part or all of Mr. is in the midst of being cloned um, from the exact nefarious type of things that we're talking about. And I'm very interested to see what people are going to say. Because if it's like a... Well, I started that off, by the way, saying I don't know what the the license is on Mister. So maybe that's totally fine. I think it's uh, everything I don't know. Mister has to be open source. Everything. If you're using okay. any anything off of that GitHub, piece of hardware, a piece of software, if it's on that and that's where you got it from, it's gotta be. It's got to remain open. Now, please don't quote me on that. It is. Does, that doesn't mean you can't sell it as a commercial no, product. No, it doesn't. But if you change a whole bunch of stuff about it and you take all the cores and you don't credit anybody or or you just call it Mr. Two yeah. and but you haven't contributed yeah. back, that's against the rules. And I think that might be happening as we speak. Um once again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope if this even happens that it's everything's by the book and I hope everybody in the community goes, Oh, this was the right move, cool, let's do this too, as well as uh, but I, I think we're going to see that next year, and I think we'll find out what happens. And I also think price is going to be a huge factor, because if somebody comes out with a clone that's not following the rules, that's a thousand dollars. I think everybody's going to be like, burn them to the ground, like light them all up on you know on all social media. But if it's a hundred dollar Mister, but how else will you get it? How else will you get a Mister that's reference quality? Once again, I need to be very, I need to be very careful on how I word this. But the the plan was to do something that I I looked into. Uh, I did it different. I contacted people from the Mister Team. I asked their opinions. And once I found out the price tag, I I was like, Ugh. but basically make your own DE10. So it's the same main processor, uh -huh. very similar everything else, but you allow access to all of the pins on it. Um, meaning no more snack adapters needed, no more lots of stuff. You, you could do a lot more, change the ARM processor to a much more powerful one. So most of the code would mm -hmm. just work. And the number one reason that everybody told me that, yes, it could be done. And yeah, people, as long as you were 
you were good, did right about it. My idea was actually to start. And by the way, if anybody wants to steal this idea, please, please do. But my idea was to start a not-for-profit company that only made like our version of the DE10 in quantity, and then basically was like, "Hey, all Mister People, here's your new dev platform. We can guarantee it as long as the chip's out." Um, the number one setback to that, uh, you know, forget about egos and infighting or any of the other bad things that could happen. The number one setback is doing a proper layout of a board like that takes an expert expert. And a prototype is like 40 or 50 grand for one at the cheapest. And you're most likely with the best minds in the world making this going to need two prototypes and you're going to need somebody to put all the money in. So you basically need to walk in with like half a million bucks to start to make something that may or may not take off in the community. People might just be like, I'll stick with the mm-hmm. D10, it's $8 cheaper or something like that, you know? So that's why I decided to not go after funding and to not go after it because there was just too much. It was too big of an ask from too many people. Uh, so if this mm. thing that I'm talking about does that, then it's actually an amazing thing that we should all be celebrating. But I don't think that's... My, you know, my spidey sense immediately went up when I started hearing what was going on. And I was like, mm, this is going to be some bullshit, isn't it? It's going to be like the At Games Genesis. Well, for the record, Bob Bob has not told me anything about what he's talking about. So I am completely I will tell in you afterwards. In fact, there's a very select group of people <laughs> that I had to trust with this. Because this is one of those things where it's like, if it does turn out to be good, I would be the biggest douche on the planet for saying this. And if it turns out to be as bad as I think, they would easily drop a hundred grand to, to sue everybody. You know, they'll Tommy Tallarico the shit out of it and just try to destroy anybody that stands in their way. I'll probably get sued for saying that too. But just for saying, saying his, his name, name. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't just <laughs> appeared alongside me with some NFT cards or some whatever the, the shit that they're selling is now. But or with a lawyer to hand you yeah. a. <clears throat> Did his console ever come out? <laughs> but, yeah, I, so I guess to, to swing back around and sum all this stuff up, you got to, you know, you can't ever blame anybody else or yourself if you bought something that's a clone that you didn't know is a clone. And at the same time, if you go out there in the scenario that we talked about before, the Bob D retrovision cables that are admittedly very low quality versions of, of that, but not cloned, like my headphones, like if you just want to buy a cheap thing, then you shouldn't feel guilty about that either. I don't know how you should feel if there's like like Beats headphones knockoffs. That's another gray area that I don't know, because it's, it's both illegal and morally wrong, but does anybody... Is anybody really losing sleep over a, a Beats clone or something? I don't know. You'll have to make that decision on your own. But I, I would never shame anybody for buying it by accident or just buying low-quality versions because that's what fit their needs at the moment or buying both. And obviously, I, you know, I've got a million examples of that. But it, it just make the effort if you're talking about low-quantity niche market things where – you know it's a small group of people working on it. And, you know, take the time to just be like, hey, is this right? And I would I would say that about anything. I mean, how many poor people out there bought the pound cable? That's not a clone of anything. It's just a giant piece of shit that you've wasted your money on. So it's like, you know, take the time to just research something 
and hope that you've stumbled across the right reviewer and not the shill that's going to be like, yeah, there's no lag in this can. This is a lag-free can. I feel, feels like there's no lag in here. Like, you know, take the time. And it sucks because you shouldn't have to do that. You should just be able to go online and pick something, but it's not just not really how life works. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all kind of centers around the same problem we've been talking the whole time. Like, there is a set of people that care very intensely about this, and most of people, it doesn't cross their mind for a second. So, in our orbit, who are really into getting the best quality out of their gaming experience, um, they are going to put in the time on, on that. And for some other thing in their life, you know, they're walking down Walmart and they pick up a clone pillow, a clone my pillow, <laughs> or whatever. That they they don't care for a second, right? Um, so everyone's got got the things in their life that they care really passionately about, and for us, it's retro gaming. And so, you know, when we see it happen in our space, it matters a lot to us. But you know, I'm sure you don't have the energy to think about that for everything in your life, you know? I totally oh, do. Oh, man. This toothbrush that I bought, bought did, did I uh, did I get the one that the original, like, person who came up with the design of this best toothbrush ever? Or am I buying the no, clone? I'm totally that weirdo. Um, because while I like retro games a lot, my real passion is creative hardware engineering, which is, I mean, anybody that reads or, or listens or whatever retro RGB would totally be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. So I, I, within reason, I absolutely do think of that. Like I have, maybe they're clones. I have an $18 headset microphone streamer thing that I bought that maybe it's a clone. Maybe it's a clean room reverse engineering. Maybe it's the Bobby Retrovision example, but like it's totally fine and it does everything I need and I don't feel bad about that. But like signature headphones, I would never buy unless I was like, well, what is this? Where is this coming from? Like, I legit, you make fun of me all you want, Nick. I deserve this one. When the CEO of Behringer came out and said, hardware is hardware. No one should own a patent on that. We clone everything. There's nothing you could do about it. I unplugged that from my computer, mm -hmm. put it in the box, and I ordered the Motu M4, which I'm using now, which is infinitely better anyway, by the way. But like... Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I, I'm just like, wow, fuck that guy. I'll, now, I already paid for it, so I'm not going to throw it in the garbage. That would just be stupid. But that's my spare that'll only be used if I have to, because screw that. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an individual decision on where you're going to put your time and energy. Like most people are just going to pick the few things, whether it be the headphones or their gaming cables or whatever it is, um, you're going to take the time to find out, am I getting the best thing for this? Am I getting the, the one that, you know, from the boutique company that I want to support? You no, know, you're definitely right, though. <clears throat> but for other things, yeah, you're just as you're, kinda... as you're explaining this, I'm starting to realize, like, wait a minute, I just bought a whole bunch of light switches for my house for $1.99 each. It's probably a clone, huh? <laughs> like a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, those are silly examples. The toothbrush and the the light switch. I know they're meant to be uh, 
not taken seriously and compared directly. It's just kind of the extreme example I can think of of just how in your life there are products you are going to buy and you are not going to do the full research on, on them. And that's just the way it is. And when that happens to products from the community I care about, I just have to remember that, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are, who may purchase my product or may purchase a competitor's product and they're not like they just want something that works and that they're not spending, you know, hours on forums to make sure that they're supporting and that's the right totally people. fine and as you Which say that, i'm looking around my, gonna... my office here and i'm like i bet you the fan was a clone i bet you you know yeah i bet you that you know the, <laughs> the plastic bin might have been a clone of a better bin like you're totally right but put put some effort into the things that you all think of the food i might eat matter and the, the more importantly the opposite like like i get a lot of people give me shit all the time for my, my views on banning and muting. And anybody that ever comes into my comments that goes, that's bullshit. I'll wait for the Chinese clone immediately banned. I just, I don't care. That's, that is the <laughs> attitude of somebody who's a giant piece of shit. It's one thing going like, Oh look, you know, there's light fixtures for 99 cents. I bet you, you know, it's great. I'll buy those. But like, there's another thing going, ah, I'm going to intentionally go buy the clone thing because I don't want to spend the money to support the people that worked really hard on this. So yeah, that's, I guess that's the better way to do it is just don't be that asshole that intentionally buys a clone when you know, when you know, things are going to suffer as a result, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking that all of the, like most of the food products I buy are clones because I shop at all the, pretty frequently and everything there is just like reverse engineered food yeah. items like the aldi version of uh yeah dr pepper as we're talking i realized how stupid that statement was that i made about how i'm the guy that always i'm the guy that checks when i think it's important so, and that's really it like i'm looking at like i wonder if my 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 printer you know is a clone or not i wonder oh, leg cramp. Ah. all right we're back uh, I don't know if that was a, a sign from above that uh, that uh, we needed to change subjects, but uh, I get a leg cramp. It happens. It's one of the only remnants of back issues that I have. Doesn't happen often, but yeah. So I, that conversation was ended by uh, what felt like me being tased in the leg. <laughs> but so I guess that you know that's uh, the gods of retro telling us that we should move the fuck along onto the next subject. So. Um, sure. Where the fuck has HD Retrovision been in the past two years? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have not been to a convention in a while. I mean, while, even before but, lockdown, um, obviously. Uh, yeah, the, the convention thing in particular, I don't remember the last one I've been to. Um, it's not like uh, we're those kind of people where we have a YouTube channel and get invited. That seems to be like the big draws for a lot of places. So unless we like kind of actively reach out, we don't end up going. Um, yeah, I'd like to start getting back to some um, soon. Not just where have you been, of... but what have you been up to, though? Because everybody, anytime I mention either of your name, anybody that knows you always asks how you are, because we're not all a bunch of just horrible retro gaming nerds that want hardware. Um, <laughs> but the next question, or if they don't know you, is where's our Xbox cables? Where's our Dreamcast cables? Where's any new product from you at all? <laughs> 
they're coming, uh, assuming some of this uh, part shortage issue can be sorted out. I, I don't know what... Um, yeah, it, it's really tough right now for people who are, are not paying attention to the situation. Um, we've been spending, particularly Steve, has been spending a lot of time tracking down components that cannot be obtained right now. Um, so tracking down components to give you two already released products in stock. Okay. Both. Because that's a, 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 a as Both. much as we all love busting each other's balls, that is a perfectly reasonable answer. Is where have you been trying to keep the products we already released out on people's shelves and not out of stock? So that you know, yeah. So um, the part shortage like impacted even you know existing stuff. So actually just yesterday our warehouse received warehouse in chicago received a shipment of playstation and we and the extension and the mail-to-mail cables um but not the genesis and snes cables which were supposed to be part of the shipment uh we actually did we sat down with ryan at the end of last year spent a bunch of time just like forecasting out and placing orders strategically so that we'd constantly be stocked and then of course this shit happens and all of that time was a big waste um so we still have genesis and snes cables fortunately but the ones we expected to hit our dock a month ago have not not um even finished being made because of having to hunt down parts it's brutal and um not to like throw myself a pity party, but uh, I, I did tweet about one event um, through a reputable company um, where we placed an order for components in a very large sum of money, five figures worth of, of money, to basically secure that part for like I think we could forecast out like three years or something of orders. Like, we were just like, we don't want to have to worry about this because this is brutal. So, and plus, the, you know, the, the more you order, the higher priority you are typically in these places. If you're just going to order 100, you know, you're not going to. Um, right. No one's going to tell care. you to go to the. the so we order the a ton. Distributors and just pick them up at full price. And yeah. 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 So, ordered this big quantity. I take the time out of my day to go to the bank and wire this money over to their account. <clears throat> a week or two weeks later, I forget how, how much longer after, we get notified that our order had been canceled. And we cannot get anyone to explain why this happened. Like, it's just, I mean, the, our best guess is that they promised they could do it at this price. We send the money over and then they realize, oh shit, like component prices have like gone away. We can't actually fill it at that price anymore. So they just tell us that they can't do it. That's a speculation. I don't have evidence because um, nobody will tell us anything. But anyway, they're sitting on this like large sum of money. And like I have been spending like a week or two trying to get them to give us the money back and i just keep getting the runaround and finally today i complained about it on twitter and then magically i got an email like hey uh, we'd like to help with that refund thing that you asked us about i mean this is really ridiculous um 
that's just one of two th- two bad things that happened recently. The other one was we just like got scammed and lost a couple thousand bucks um, by a company that said they had the parts and they took the money and just disappeared. Um, and later found out like this is going on like at big scale. There are yeah. some big big actors doing this right now to the like hundreds of millions of dollars have been stolen this way we were fortunate to get out for and as not only are companies doing that um, so i gotta just interrupt you for a second for anybody else making anything right now i ran into a situation on a project where uh you know you bought chips and like a bag of screws showed up and they were i don't know what their end game is were they expecting you to just not know because you bought so many things that you're trying to remember but uh, you know, I the whole thing was negative feedback was left on the thing, and they contacted us and were like, "Could you please remove your negative feedback? This was an honest mistake. We've refunded you. I don't know what the problem mm-hmm. is." And you know, the, I try not to be an awful person, so my heart kind of sank when I read that, and I was like, "Shit, it must be really hard for a distributor right now. Maybe they're trying their best." And I messaged a bunch of people, and everybody I messaged was like, fuck them. They did the same thing to me. They did the same thing to them. They did the same thing to them. Yeah. They know what's going on. There's no, it's been happening for months. Mm-hmm. So they're not only are there companies out yeah. there doing this on purpose, they're also trying to sob story you into continuing to not fight against them so they could rip off more people. Because I think the end game for this is wait till a bunch of people bring them to court and then disappear, just like we discussed at the beginning of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's where we've been. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it sucks right now, but, you know. So, I know this we'll just happened, go. but with the, you know, the main distributor that, uh, that you know, ignored you until you put it on Twitter, um, was there actually money being sent back to you now, or is it, are they just having a conversation? That I don't know yet. I, I got a form that I need to fill out after this podcast that tells them <clears throat> where to put the money back, uh, and then I'm supposed to send that to them. Um, so it's not concluded yet, but at least I got a response finally. All right. I uh, keep, keep us updated on that one, because that's one of those things yeah. where it's like, <laughs> it is very plausible that what happened was just they're dealing with this in a million different places, and they're... They're dealing with the companies who spent well, millions the, well, that they have to cancel the order first, and then the companies that only spend mm-hmm. tens of thousands they're dealing with second. Like there's, it's very plausible. Yeah. But if it turns out that a bigger company like that's screwing you over, you know, let's all just let's all have this conversation publicly. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So we'll we'll see. To be continued on that. So I guess the one thing I'll ask then. Um, and if you can't say specifics, I get it, but a lot of my friends now are working on projects knowing they're not going to be even potentially released until 2023 at the earliest, but all of these part shortages Mm -hmm. that we're running into, you could still get one or two, uh, you know, a $10 part might be 60, but like in the context of developing something, it's not the end of the world. It sucks, but so I know a lot of people right now who are sitting on a couple of very cool projects, knowing that, you know, once things come in stock, they'll, you know, they'll redo whatever hardware is available then and then launch. So are, are there things that you're looking at now that you're considering that, you know, once part shortage ends, you'll be able to work on? Or are you still just kind of 
trying to keep stock of the existing and trying to get Dreamcast Xbox out. Uh, I mean, th- there's that, and then the I mean the HDMI stuff. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Xbox is kind of an interesting case because there's not um, the same level of complexity as like a Dreamcast or Genesis and SNES cable. There's some cool ideas tossed around, but there's that that whole project's just been on the back burner while we figure out kind of simultaneously how to keep Genesis and SNES cables being produced and getting Dreamcast produced. Um, But yeah, there's like, there's stuff on the horizon. Um, It's just, yeah, the the part shortage is brutal and we don't produce anything in quantities where like a hundred's going to cut it, you know? A lot of these, a lot of these components. There's like three of them on the board, five of them on the board. So now all of a sudden you can only make twenty, <laughs> right? Like that's just not gonna work. And, and we're talking like our bombs have like hundreds of parts on them too. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of rough. And if you look right now at, at what these places are forecasting. I, I think 2023 is about right for when any of this stuff is going to stop being kind of jammed up. If we're lucky, like there are parts we've ordered that have just said, they basically threw a token date of like back ordered until December, 2022 or whatever. And you're like, all right, well, hopefully there was one project that I'm a part of that every once in a while, I kept asking the person who's going to be doing the, the main test builds. Cause you got, you can't just test one. You got obviously, Every every console has multiple motherboard revisions, and every couple of months they send me a screenshot of the backorder list. And every couple of months it gets scarier and scarier because at first you're like, oh, yeah. more and more parts are in stock. Oh, that's cool. Even more parts are in stock. But then you see like it's resistors and caps, and you go back and you look, and the the chips that really are the important part. We're seeing 2024 on a couple of them on this one project. Yeah. So it's basically just like, like, what are you going to do? Tell the person <laughs> who did the original design, like, hey, you know that thousand or two hours that you spent on this? Got to start from scratch on a new chip. Like, no, of course. Of course I would never ask anybody to do that. So it's like, well, it's on hold indefinitely until, you know, something comes back in that's doable. Yeah, I mean, I really worry about... <clears throat> companies just like having to close up shop because of this um you know we're fortunate to a degree that we have products that we can still make and kind of keep us afloat you know if we did nothing else and just sold ps2 cables on amazon we could could float it for quite a while and we've been around long enough that we've saved up you know some money in the company coffers to float us through some hard times, but people who are just starting out or don't have that kind of product that, that, you know, float them, that's a tough situation to be in. It's like when you're on low margin business, you can't just like not sell anything for two years because the, the ports are jammed up and parts aren't being manufactured so i mean i feel really bad for a lot of these companies that are struggling with this agreed um you mentioned the ports is that something that you've run into at all with your shipments and that they're stuck at the ports for 
two months because there aren't enough people there to unload the the or are you trying to do different things to get around that you know that's a good question i i would have to actually go back and look for when stuff left our factory and see how long ago that was from like yesterday when they delivered the shipment to our warehouse um it may have been a bit longer but I'm not 100% sure. I also don't know the exact route they take. They might not be taking that boat to, like, the Los Angeles, you know. I imagine a lot of people are intentionally rerouting because of that. Yeah, I I could imagine that they're maybe driving it up to to a different spot. I don't don't know. Have you ever been to Um, Hong Kong or Shenzhen or any of those places where you see the mass transit of, of ships in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I lived in Singapore for a bit, and Singapore has a, an mm. awesome port um, that I actually w- was able to tour. Um, and then Hong Kong, I, I've been there. It's Yeah, it's it's really cool. Actually, in... Um, the one in Hong Kong I've been to, and it was, like, staggering. Like, you look yeah, at it it's, from, it's like, uh, you could see it from the plane going in. Maybe, depending where you're at, you could see it driving by, like, from afar... But then you get up, like, in the distance, it looks like Lego blocks. And then you get up close, mm-hmm. and you're just like, holy shit. Like, this is this is something else right here. <laughs> yeah. Singapore and Hong Kong both touch, like, an insane amount of the world's cargo. Yeah. Um, so their ports are just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and super cool to see. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who was really into them and like specifically got his apartment in Singapore like so that it was looking into the, the cargo uh, ports. He could just sit and look at it all day and take pictures. Uh, I miss having a view, man. I used to look out. I used to I used to get like imposter syndrome every night. I would walk out on my porch to have a beer or allegedly smoke a bowl and I'd look over and I would just look at the New York skyline and be like, I, I shouldn't be allowed in this building. Now my view is of a pitch black backyard with nothing else. But like, I, you know, the, I, a buddy of mine also lives in New York and looks down at uh, the Intrepid. So you see all those awesome planes. Mm-hmm. Like little me would have just lost his mind if that's what you get to see every morning. And like, so yeah, mm-hmm. if, I, if I were your buddy, I would do that exact same thing too. Where it's like, I want to see the weirdest, coolest shit ever from my window just by looking at it. Yeah, that's... Um... I'm actually in the process of moving out of here and my biggest requirement for the place I go is like during the day, I want an awesome view of the mountains and at night I want to be able to see the Milky way. Um, so that, that's kind of like the number one thing I care about. is just, uh, having good views to sit and enjoy. I gave up on the views, but having enough space to actually do my job is just, wonderful yeah that, that spot looks a lot uh yeah a lot better than than where you were before yeah i know i've told the story a bunch of times so i'll make it quick but when i was making the n64 video uh one night like i, I just i looked around and i had this weird moment of panic i just walked out of my office i closed the door woke up the next morning mm-hmm. like you know went through my usual morning hate mail I made some coffee and then I went down and picked up right where I left off. And if I was in the city, that would have been 
hour of, of teardown, two hours of setup. So three hours of my life down the drain just because I lived in a shoebox. Mm-hmm. And now I just get to be like, well, this is a horrible mess. But when I close this door, the mess disappears. <laughs> I don't have to step over <laughs> it to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. as much as I miss that view and my friends and everything else. Yeah, it's uh, it is pretty cool. Yeah, having space is nice. So, um, one question also that keeps coming up, circle back around to you, uh, is that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anybody would be disappointed if HD Retrovision just stuck to making the f- fucking awesome cables you already make. And I'm not saying that because you're on the podcast. Anybody that's ever watched a Retro Roundtable episode knows that we're, our, we're each other's harshest critics. Uh, I mean, I say it because I've done the, my own personal testing and proved it out maybe i'm biased because steve taught me how to do a lot of my testing but whatever um but are you you originally you know 10 years ago or whatever talked about wanting to do stuff with hdmi as well so are you because mm-hmm. of the part shortage and because of the crazy complexity and because of the you know respectfully because of the competition are you just like well we're gonna stick with analog cables because we do it really fucking well and you know we know you know we're safe here. Are you still dipping your toes into anything HDMI related? You know, and within reason, 2024, because you can't get shit before then or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I still think, like, assuming the company survives this uh, nightmare and uh, not too many more companies steal 40000 of my dollars, um, uh, then I think... We still still have plans to go down the, the HDMI route. Um, that's definitely no secret that there are competitors now who have actually just like had time to do the a lot of the things that we had originally sketched on a whiteboard and put on our website. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how things shake out. Um, I'm super interested to see where you could go with this because we're just. You know, this was not by design. I know if, I know all of these people. I consider all of them friends. Uh, it, it just so happens that the order in which these HDMI devices are being released or, and have been released, and that, yeah, they're competition because they're all scalers, but they're kind of not because, you know, Mike ushered in the first generation uh, or the first of the next generation scalers, the RetroTank 5X. And it's awesome, and you could buy one right now, and it's going to be equally as awesome a couple of years from now. And then the OSSC Pro, I've had the pleasure of testing. And there's some very interesting things about that that set it apart. There's going to be one that's better for some people than others, but it, uh, yeah, or like each would be better for, for specific setups. So there, there isn't going to be one that knocks one the other one off the pedestal. They're both going to exist and each be good at their own things, but also do a lot. And then, of course, the morph is going to come out eventually, which, you know, with, with all of the love and respect to that team, the part shortage is is probably going to hit them really hard too. So who knows when that's coming out. Once again, it's not a dig. That's just, that it is what it is with that shit. Yeah, and by yeah. the time that comes out, that's going to probably be the last one out. You know, I'm sure nobody's, none of those people are stupid so they're going to be like all right well what are the other two don't do so we could add to give somebody else so it, it's going to be interesting to see like uh, you know i've known you and steve for a long time and you look at things differently than everybody else steve's attention to detail is probably 
you know, probably should require some medication. <laughs> like, you know, like you're going to do something different. And I'm not asking what that is because I don't want you to spill any secret sauce or maybe you haven't come up with it yet. But I'm certainly interested to see what you are going to come up with versus the other stuff out there. Because I think two years from now, or maybe less if the part shortage frees up a little bit, we're going to have a lot of different options at different price points that are all really cool and, you know, can coexist. So the, the HDMI yeah, that so... you talked about in 2003 or whatever, I'm being facetious, but like, <laughs> you know, that's obviously not going to cut it today. And I don't think you'd be dumb enough to release that in, in the state that you designed it in, in 2016, I think. Um, so I'm really interested to see what you guys come up with for that. That's your own spin on it. Yeah, so I won't go into the details of features or anything like that. I, I will just say, I think, and this is not a knock on, on those guys because I really respect all their work, a lot of that stuff is really tailored towards this community. Mm. And I think, um, just as a general principle for us, we would probably take a broader view of trying to appeal outside of the the game retro gaming space um it's a really good way to go about it us super nerds can get our you know our, our stupidly complicated boxes that we want and other people could just get something you plug it in yeah i mean i think there's still stuff we want to do to that end um you know in terms of the advanced stuff i mean a lot of that stuff is kind of widespread Spread now, you know, cool scan line options and all that stuff. But um, I, I don't imagine you would see an HD Retrovision product that was, you know, anything like the OSSC in terms of menus, right? Like, we want a very consumer-friendly product that is still can do high-quality things. Um, and just a shout out to you know, Marks, it would because Marcus to... designs the products that the retro gaming community, the retro gaming enthusiast yeah. wants. So that's like, that's, that's right. actually a compliment to him too, because like the people who are like, oh, I can't wait for the OSSC pro want the super complicated menus. <laughs> Whereas, you know, yeah. I, yeah, you're not uh, HD retrovision, have a product where you're adjusting the pre coast. Right. Uh, Steve know, would never allow that to happen. <laughs> This is not going to happen. Um, and not the, to say that there's not room for that stuff, you know, we use that stuff for testing and it's great for the, you know, super technical minded. Um, we would like to make products that kind of appeal across a, a wider range of people to, like, as I said, you know, the people at the convention who are not, don't spend their entire day on retro gaming Twitter and watching your podcasts. Um, and know every detail. Well, so. I mean, look, but maybe maybe this not is the part of this long Mike's podcast product. that's going to get me sued, but that's exactly what Marseille did, and that they just took a product that anybody could plug in and use, and they dumped a lot of money into marketing it, um, and they dumped a lot of money into paying people to market it the way they wanted it to be marketed. I think that's a safe enough way to put it, so that there's a there's thousands and thousands of people out there that see a product that you could just plug in and use the difference is their marketing made it seem like this is a, this is the end all solution to all things. So I, I love the idea of that. I, I, I respect the marketing from like a, you know, if you want to be a ruthless business person, that's how you do it. 
But I think HD Retrovision could do the same thing the right way. So, you know, you could market it in a way where you're like, this is your plug-and-play device. There's three switches. Choose your color. Like, whatever, you know, your advanced menu. Yeah. Hold this button down and, you know, hold, you know, press this button on the remote. And then you could nerd out if you want to. But this is the three switches. Like, I, I think you all could probably come up with a version of that that, uh, dare I say, actually works. Yeah, that's, this, that's what's going to yeah. get me sued. Yeah. That's it. Talk, talking okay. a horrible shit for the first hour and 20 minutes, uh, I made I was safe. I think you're allowed to not like products. And if you're referring to the, like, well, I don't know what you're referring to. I'm referring I to the M cable of... because I have hundreds of hours testing okay. the M cable. So that that's why yeah, if they I, took I have, me to court, like, I'd be like, here is all of my footage. Would you like me to recapture this in front of you right here in court to prove that it's mostly bullshit? But... Yeah, I mean, I, okay, so I think you sent me one of them, and I somehow got the, the other one, the cinema one and the gaming one. And for the life of me, I could not, like, make out what the difference was, but maybe I'm blind. I, I don't know. I don't really want to, like, crap on other companies. Well, it's I got to say, on the flip side of things, dumbass. right, I have seen the scenario in which that stupid little dongle looks freaking amazing, and I like it, and... In fact, other reviewers in those same scenarios didn't like it for very valid reasons, and I did. And I stood up and was like, hey, you're probably right, but like to my eyes on my TV, this looks awesome. My problem with them is the same with my problem with a lot of other companies, and if they marketed it as, hey, sometimes this thing's a game changer, sometimes it isn't. Don't expect miracles, but here's the scenarios in which it's going to make a difference, and here's exactly what you need to do to get there. I would be flying their flag. I would be the idiot on YouTube holding up a signed copy of it saying how good it is. The problem I have is that people, just like you were talking about before, people that aren't in the loop, because you don't have to be. You shouldn't have to be. But people aren't in the loop here at M-Cable, and they're like, oh, that thing's amazing. No, it's not. You just get suckered into their marketing, and you know, and the people they paid to market it for them. That's what pisses me off about yeah, it. I'm you know more than me. I, I didn't spend that much time. I, I just tried to like find a DVD where I was like, "This makes a huge difference," and I could not find load up find anything load up where your I was... prototype Xbox HD Retrovision cables and put them into uh -huh. any cheap um, analog to digital converter and load up any 720p native game, and you'll go, "Holy shit, this thing actually works! This is awesome!" Like, hmm. and I haven't tested too okay. much with PS3, but I imagine. A ton of PS3 games. Set your PS3 to 720p, plug it through this, and it's awesome. And the other thing, I think okay. it was John Riggs. I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong, but he took the Turbo Graphics Mini or the PC Engine Mini, whatever it is, and he put it in retro mode and plugged it into his TV, and an integer scaled, it doubled it to 1440 or something. So it actually was the opposite. It was really sharp and really good. But that's what I mean. If there was just a list of exactly the pr correct use cases and how to get there it's an awesome product but that whole like oh that's really cool that you spent three thousand hours designing this how does it look with the m cable plugged in oh how about you go fuck yourself <laughs> it's like you know sorry i'm biased you know that's it well, that's it bob's canceled marseille is gonna sue me same way they threw me off their booth in portland <clears throat> it's all good Hey, can we answer some Twitter questions? I solicited God, some. You have to. Um, yeah, just a couple. Um, so this one comes from Scott Wozniak. Oh, I know him. He asks, 
Like in real life. Boxers or briefs? Oh, boxers. You're a boxer oh, boy? All the time. I, I kind of always pictured you as a tidy whitey man. Really? And I have spent a lot of time picturing you in <laughs> tidy whiteys. No. Uh, I've been boxers <laughs> since seventh grade, and I'll tell you the story why afterwards, but that's still a little embarrassing to tell publicly. I'm a. Uh, I'm straight down the middle. I'm a boxer brief man. I've tried one or two. They were interesting. I liked it. Not as good as boxers. Yeah, I don't know. Box- boxers is a little too freeing. It's unsettling. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, Paul Testman asks, is the N64 really as shitty a console as certain notable retro personalities say it is? I don't know who they're referring to. I know Vol- Voltar always makes fun nah, of No, they're it, making but... fun of me. And um... oh, Okay. It's the same as everything else retro. You, there are people that look look at it through rose-colored glasses, and there are people that appreciate it for all the very cool things that it could do. And I just had a weird relationship with it from day one. So I just remember uh, in high school, somebody getting it, and me going over their house, and the camera was never quite right in the right angles, and the low-res yeah. graphics, you're staring at something like, am I supposed to be looking for that, or is that a glitch? So... You know, I've always had mixed feelings about it, but I very much respect it for for what it was. And more importantly, we couldn't have a Switch if there wasn't an N64 to start out with. But as far as playability today from somebody that's never touched it, like if you're like in your 20s and you've never touched an N64, I don't think you're going to like it. Yeah, like if you don't have that the nostalgia goggles, as I saw someone use that term mm-hmm. today, if you don't have those, I don't think N64 is going to be your jam. Although I will say, um, if you could play an N64 on a CRT, and if you can stick to certain genres of games, like a first-person shooter is not the genre to like it's as amazing as Gold and I was at the it's time. Not now. It's not the genre to to go back to because you're just way too used to how good FPS feels now, right? right? It's, so, you know, leave that in the past for what it was. But like the RPG stuff on N64, like Ogre Battle, dude, that game's still awesome. Yeah, it's really fun to play. So yeah, you know, just it depends. I still like Mario Kart. I, you know. Yeah. I know it's a cheesy answer, but it's the All truth. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough All one. All right, last question. Uh-oh. Given the cost and labor of getting a PC engine with the CD add-on and RGB, do you think Analog's Duo console will be the best way to experience the system? D- uh, despite not being original. So here's yeah. here's my very strong opinion on this. And people always get this wrong, and people just love to shit on me, which is fine. My, my, I actually appreciate when my friends shit on me. When strangers do, you could all fuck right off. But I don't hate analog. I've never hated analog. They're cheesy marketing where they announce an announcement to announce the flyer of a product that's coming out next year, maybe, is what pisses me off. But they make great products. And if original CDs and original Hue cards are important to you, it might very well be the best way to play it. And I genuinely mean that. But if you're asking what's the best way to play PC Engine and Turbo Graphics games, it's got to be the mister. Um, because you don't have to worry about anything. And in fact, I know a lot of people 
who for years were like, I need to RGB mod this. I need to, you know, add all of these region free enhancements. They're all switching to, I want my console recapped. So it lasts forever. I want to make sure all of my original cue cards and CDs or for whatever, you know, cartridges for your consoles work. That's important to me, but I'm going to play them on the mister whenever I play it on the RGB monitor or an HDMI or something. And they still leave the original experience with composite out and all that stuff. But so the best way to experience that, we have to quote our Lord and Savior Artemio and say that the best experience is the best way for you. But if you're talking about mm-hmm. the best quality experience, as far as audio and video quality go, if you don't care about original ROM or original carts or ROMs, Mister, if you do want original stuff, then I, I yeah, analog totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I resonate very strongly with the Artemio quote there. Um, for me, the best way to play a Sega Genesis is always going to be an original Sega Genesis with a real cart and not a ROM cart. Hooked up to a Zenith TV with a wad of wires in your jet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But for the Duo, which I never had as a kid, I have no attachment to that console. I don't own any games for it yet. Um, but I'm still someone where like, I appreciate hardware. Um, I think the Analog Duo is the first... Well. I don't know which one's going to come out first, the Duo or the Pocket, but one of those two would be the first analog console that I really want to own. Um, like I, I don't have a Mega SG or a Super MT because those things have zero appeal to me. If I wanted the ROM situation, I would just go with the ROM card or Mister. But really, I want to play on Unreal hardware for those. Well, well Chris Duo is very clearly doubling down on that because all of their marketing now. The past month has been we don't support ROMs. We you know we're here for the people with original cards, which it's just more of the marketing bullshit that drives me crazy. But he's he's got oh. a point though. He's absolutely yeah. as yeah. Point. Those jailbreaks were not were not his yeah. company. The doing unofficial it the jailbreak. Okay. Fuck off. Yeah. Like somebody randomly hacked their software within yeah. a day and a half. Now, but but I get it. Once again, respect for the marketing. For respect from that side of the marketing and that. He's right. He should be spinning it as if you have a wall of games that you want to use, the analog products are awesome. But the one thing I'll say about the duo that stands out from the others is it kind of sort of resembles a duo, an original. Yeah, it's cool. And that's the thing that bugged me about the other two is it didn't look like my Genesis or Super Nintendo. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to display it. I don't care. Stick it in the drawer. Yeah, if I, if I could get my hands on one of those, I, I definitely will, and, and I'll probably start picking up a a, a Hue card collection because yeah. um, I think that would be fun. Um, but but if not, I'm not going to rush out to to get a Mister uh, Duo setup going because I don't know. I, as cool as that stuff is, I, I just I hate menus of of games. Right. So uh, this was. Um, I was going to say this was fun, but it was actually the first part was really depressing. So thank you for bringing me through that mustache. I, uh, glad I didn't have to do that on my own. I would have gone off on a tangent and just sound like a, a whiny, unappreciative ass. So thanks for, uh, thanks for walking me through. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe you've, you felt it was more depressing than I did. I, I think there's some, you know. It's good to tell that story so that whoever does hear this and hadn't thought about it before 
you know, just reconsiders. Um, but I'm also the one being attacked about this publicly. There's also groups of people saying I'm a, including the clone companies themselves. I'm a conspiracy theorist who's making things up for attention. And it's like, there's screenshots and admissions posted online by the companies I've talked about admitting to doing this. And then they're changing their tune and saying, I'm lying about it. So it's double depressing because I'm, I really am out there fighting for everybody else. I just also don't want to be shit on in the process. And a good person wouldn't. That's why I know I'm not a good person. I know I'm not a bad person because I'm not a clone company that steals people's designs and lies about it. But a good person would be like, no, you're, I'm doing my best, so that's fine. I'm, I'm not a good person. I'm like, fuck you. you. You should burn. You're a clone company and you're lying about me. So, yeah, it was double depressing because I'm seeing people getting stolen <clears> from and I'm the one somehow taking the heat for it. So, yeah, it is super depressing for me. Well, it's a... Uh... A service that is well appreciated uh, that you get to you get to take the heat for everybody else, <laughs> so that we don't have to deal. I with had that. somebody, I very genuinely and and with with love and respect in their heart, say that my real job is to eat all the shit in retro gaming, <laughs> and and I like. I'm paraphrasing a bit, and they meant it with love, but they're basically like, you're, you know, you got to be the one that stands up and talks about this stuff because it's really <clears> easy <throat> to just put a smile on your face and only talk about the good stuff. It's not very easy to stand there and be like, that's actually not true. Here's what really happened, and take the repercussions. And, you know, there's been a, a couple times where people tried to cancel me, and when it first started, I was like, oh, I got nothing to worry about. No one's ever dumb enough to believe that. And like 3,000 messages and, you know, all this other crap later, I'm like, wow, they're winning. This, is, this sucks. I didn't do anything wrong. Like, if anybody knew what I knew, they'd be like, yeah, you did the right thing. But, yeah, it's, it's yeah, sorry, this wasn't supposed to be a pity party for me. This was supposed to be a pity party for everybody that got cloned. But, uh, yeah, maybe blame, blame yeah. the three. You know, here you go. I'm going to blame Allagash, North Sky, Stout. It's only 7.5% alcohol, so it's not like those times where I was drinking, you know, 11.5 and I was tipsy after three, but. I've got a couple of, like, 15%ers in my fridge. Wow. Are they, like, bourbon barrel type of thing, or? Yeah. Yeah. The Goose Island bourbon barrels that I've been aging for, well, the one in my fridge is from 2016. Oh, wow. Really? Is that a thing? Do you yeah. age bourbon barrel beer? These you do. Um, so usually uh, every uh, Thanksgiving when they release them, I pick up a bunch, drink some, and then I just like cellar because you're supposed to, you know, they age up to five years. So I, I buy enough so that I can age one for one year, two years, three years. Um, huh. And so now I'm coming up on the, the 2016, which is... The, the oldest one I have. So, what so. do you? What makes you decide to crack one of those open? Um, yeah, it's you got to be in the mood because they are man, they are real bombers. It's not like a, a beer where you're gonna pop open three of them in a sitting. You'll be right. Like, well, like, but here's context, right? When I was a kid, maybe twenty, twenty-one, something like that. But you know probably not legal drinking age. I went to something, wedding, whatever, and they gave us little mini bottles of champagne. 
And in my mm-hmm. little poor kid's brain, I was like, champagne, that's fancy. I'm going to save this for a fancy occasion. And I did wait till something where I was like, hey, we should celebrate. Oh, I have that mini bottle of champagne. But, you know, it's a mini screw top bottle of champagne. A year later, it was just like rubbing alcohol. It was gross. We had to throw it out. Like me, who never weighs out. Yeah. Like, I had to throw that out. And it's like, so what's what's the deciding factor? Is there like a, oh, hey, this is like the best steak I've ever had. Let me go re- grab the 2018 bourbon barrel because it'll pair perfectly. Or are you just like... Yeah, it's more just a mood for, like, you know, when the weather gets colder and, um, you know, feeling like a, a heavy, dark beer. That's what I'll go for. I always feel like that's really beer. it. Martin from uh, Denmark, the guy who designed the 68X clone, says, sent mm-hmm. me a bunch of beer in a BVM flight case. It was one of the funniest, mm. nerdiest things I've ever seen. And he sent me that. Uh, he sent me a porter. Uh, Dracula candy, which was like licorice with licorice powder candy, and a couple other Belgian beers that are, or beers from Denmark that were like, I guess Belgian style would be kind of fair for at least one of them. And he, I guess he thought he was like messing with me. And I was like, well, these two beers were very good. I, I really appreciate the gesture, but the dark porter was amazing. And he's like, really? I never would have thought an American would have liked that. And I was like, and the candies were neat too. And he's like, no way. Nobody likes those candies. No Americans do. I'm like, I'm weird. Like, whatever. That's fine. But yeah, dark beer. Uh, it's my favorite, favorite. And no, nobody else likes it. All the, you know, all the hipsters with, with pants so tight, they could even wear your boxer briefs. They, uh, you know, they just like that super hoppy stuff. Yeah. I'm not, not a huge fan of like, the extremes and flavors anymore. Like I like a, a nice IPA, but like, you know, the San Diego, you know, triple hopped, uh, you know, your eyeballs start melting. Um, you know, not really my thing. Yeah. I don't know. I never liked it. I, I still, the only things I don't like anymore are like super sweet drinks. Like, I, I loved Sambuca as a kid, which, you know, hey, that's probably a shitty thing to say, but it's truth. When I was, like, 16, maybe even 15, like, I loved Sambuca. Like, I haven't been able to drink that in a long time. I always loved Jaeger. I still kind of do, but it's just being 40 and ordering a Jaeger, it's like, ugh, what are you going to do? Are you here to roofie a 21-year-old? Like, stop talking, you fat old yeah. man. So I just, I stopped drinking that a long-ass time ago. Um, the other, like, I still like the same stuff. The only thing I lost my taste for is super spicy stuff. And I think that's because I had too much of it. And then I paid the price a lot with my stomach. So it was like, you know, ghost, like the re TV. I had no idea who they were, but retro world expo, like the moment the expo started till the moment it ended, they were, they turned it up to 11. They were like, people with hmm. maracas and like, you know, they were everything. Like it was, it was like a hype party times 11 and they were right next to us. And at first I got to admit at first I was like, is this shit going to happen all weekend? But like they were hyping everybody up. So after a while I was like, all right, I'm actually loving this. And they did uh, the one chip challenge where you put like all the hot oh, sauce yeah. on it and everything. And I was just like, Oh, that's, that's different. Um, there's actually a, a product you can buy on Amazon, a company that does the one chip challenge. And it they, they literally send you a box for like eight bucks. It's like this insane chip. I think that's what it and is. And you're yeah. supposed to. Yeah. 
It doesn't have any sauce or anything. No, it's, it's baked like a dry it. chip. Yeah, it's a dry chip with the stuff. Yeah, made. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got to see how long you can go without water. Yeah, I, I, five years ago, I would have won that, and I'm not bragging. I'm just like, it is what it is, right? Like I, you know, and I saw that shit happen, and I was just like. I'm yeah, not no doing way. that. I'm not doing that. I looked at Beast, and Beast yeah. was like, I'm not doing it either. <laughs> like, All right, <laughs> good. It's not just me. But yeah, five years ago, I would have yeah, done that. Yeah. And what's funny is, you know, I'm Eastern European, so like mild salsa and my face turns red, but, you know, it's not too hot. It's just my natural reaction. So I would have bit into that, and my face would have turned purple probably. And my eyes would have started watering, but I would have been laughing through the whole thing. Like, this is really hot. This is pretty funny. And then, you know, uh, what goes up, bus come down. <laughs> it ruins yeah. everything, everything down. And you do that too much. So can't do that anymore. Yeah. No, thanks, man. Not for me anymore. If you're chasing yourself around the house with chapstick duct tape to the end of a selfie stick, you know, you've, you've, your life has gone wrong. <laughs> dude i said that one time and somebody looked me dead in the eye and we're like did you really put chapstick on your butthole and i'm like it's a <laughs> metaphor <laughs> like why do you really think i would get chapstick and use that like yeah so no i didn't actually you think it really would require the use of a selfie stick <laughs> right <laughs> how fat do you think i am especially if you're standing in front of me sitting here i could be hiding a massive gut but if you're standing in front of me i don't need an appendage to get to my butt <laughs> come on <laughs> Ugh. Well, on that note, I can't think of a better way to end this. Yeah. I can't think. Great way to end it. Just a, a depressing podcast ending in my butt. So thank you for yeah. doing this, Nick. Uh, uh, next time, I yeah, swear I'm going gonna, gonna to pick the happiest topic on the planet. And, you know, so Sounds you don't good. Have, I don't have to drag you through the mud for this one. But thank you for your insight and <laughs> in all of this, um, especially a couple of times where you, you know, you brought everything back on track to keep things on topic. Like it was very important. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, hopefully people are listening thanks. to you too. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So don't buy clone products and uh, yeah, it's about it. And don't eat spicy chips. Unless you know what's going to happen next and you're prepared to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have chips. <laughs> Later dude.